thankful very much that you're here today. We're thankful to God for an opportunity to be able to gather and to worship Him. It's very good to have visitors. We appreciate that you're here. And we're thankful to God that several who've been traveling have arrived home safely. The, the Bannisters and Tessa was with her, them. Uh, also, uh, Gail has been traveling and the heads are back. Uh, and if I overlooked you, it's because I probably didn't know you were traveling. Didn't mean to. Uh, but we're glad that visitors are here and we're glad that everyone is present. And especially if you're uh, not a Christian, we want to encourage you to think carefully about the text that we've chosen this morning and your relationship to God because in it, God is inviting all to come to Him to have abundant life. Now, not a life that's defined by a bank account or by possessions of lands or properties, stocks and bonds, but an abundant life that is measured by the forgiveness of sin, by fellowship with God and the joy and peace that's found in the kingdom of the Messiah. Uh, as Israel lived in the land that God had promised them and they took possession of, they had often turned away from God. They had turned to false gods, to idols. God, And there were periodic times where they would be restored uh, after a fashion. Some of them fell into complete apostasy and God brought His judgments upon them. And yet now, even as before some of those judgments were going to be applied prophetically, Isaiah talks about the time when a covenant would be in place with, uh, his, with who would provide the sure mercies of David. This is, not, this is a, an allusion to the Son of David who is the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah that uh, is, was predicted and who is, who is in fact Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the call of, the, of this particular prophecy, among other things, is to seek the Lord. And, and that's what we want to think about particularly in as much as God seeks us out. God has, has planned our redemption from sin. God has expressed His love in the death of His Son on the cross, of His resurrection to life. And the kingdom established... Uh, the covenant in place that provides these abundant blessings. God has sought us and continues to seek us. question is now, will we seek Him? And that's what is particularly emphasized here throughout this particular prophecy. Uh, you know, it, it is unfortunate and a tragedy and yet realistic that it is possible to become too late to seek the Lord. There are some, some uh, situations that demonstrate from Scripture that it, becomes, it can become too late to seek God. One of those realities is, is, of course, death. Death makes it too late to seek the Lord. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Uh, and so, uh, like the man who, uh, the rich man who died in Luke 16, and he uh, wanted just a drop of water from the tip of on the tip of his tongue from Lazarus to cool him in the anguish of the flames and his torment, there was no crossing over from one to the other. Death ends the opportunity to seek the Lord, to call upon Him and find Him. The Day of Judgment certainly sets that impossibility as well. In fact, in the, in the parable of the Five wise and five foolish virgins in Matthew 25, if you'll remember. 
there the parable of the foolish virgins um, that uh, uh, I'm sorry the, uh, yeah the, uh, we have five who were wise who were prepared and when the bridegroom came they entered into the feast but verse 10 says while the foolish ones who had not prepared and did not have enough oil for their lamps they went to buy oil the bridegroom came those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut and the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he said, As surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. The presence of the Son of Man typified His coming in blessing of those who were His that He knows and judgment against those whom He did not know, does not know. If we tarry and are not prepared or not watchful and ready for His return and the judgment that He brings, then it will be too late at that time to seek the Lord. The Bible also teaches that where there is full-fledged apostasy against God, we can so harden our hearts that He says it's impossible to be renewed again to repentance. Hebrews 6, verses 4-6 through 6, it's impossible for the, those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and tasted the good Word of God and the powers of the ages to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. Undoubtedly, these are people who continue in that apostasy who have, who have so hardened themselves that, that uh, repentance is, is not... Uh, their choice. He says we can reach that point uh, of falling away, uh, uh, departing from the faith, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. And so it's important that we guard, guard ourselves against such fallings, uh, such failings, such, such uh, situations, and be sure that we're walking in the light of truth so that uh, we continually are seeking and finding and following the Lord. Because, you know, the prophets also teach us that, you see, if we reach such a situation in our life, that the Lord withdraws Himself from His people who reject Him. Those who reject God, uh, uh, he, in, in Hosea, the, the fifth chapter, he taught that, well, he, he withdrew Himself from Israel. Hosea 5 and verse 6 says, with with their flocks and herds, they go to seek the Lord. Here they're seeking the Lord, but they will not find Him. He has withdrawn Himself from them. They've dealt treacherously with the Lord. They have begotten pagan children. Now a new moon shall devour them and their heritage. Of course, He's looking toward the impending judgment because they were serving idols rather than the true God. And yet, in following the graven images as if they were Jehovah in the north, the golden images that had been set up from the days of Jeroboam, that uh, they sought the Lord, but He withdrawn Himself from them. So, when we withdraw ourselves from God, understand he, he, He's not going to receive us in that condition. We're going to have to make some changes, and that's where the prophecy uh, is directed. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He's near. And, and He goes on to explain we've got to remove the sin and turn ourselves to His will. So, so we simply understand that, that uh, uh, now we have an opportunity to seek the Lord. We haven't died yet. The judgment hasn't come yet. 
uh, and and uh, if we fall from the Lord, there's a way back. But if we harden our heart, understand that that, that we are assigning ourselves to condemnation, and so we must have an open heart, a responsive heart, to seek the Lord and find Him where He may be found. And 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 so Isaiah, uh, of course, God through His prophet is calling, is telling Israel of that time when when they could seek the Lord through His Messiah and receive eternal joys, and He's teaching us the same way. He says, first of all, seek the Lord while He may be found in verses 6 and 7. Now, the idea already discussed, already set forth is, is He's found in a time when I don't turn away from Him. He's found in a time when I don't harden my heart toward Him. God's going to be found. He's going to make Himself available. In fact, He makes Himself available to all mankind. Uh, in our study last week, we'll mention it again tonight, the invisible God has made Himself visible in the creation. In Acts 17, verse 27, Paul talking to, to pagans uh, there in, in the city of Athens, remember that he said uh, that God's purposes and intent was so that men would seek the Lord in the hope that they might find Him, I'm sorry, grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. God is not far from any of us at this moment. Why? Because He gives us life and breath and all things. Because you see, we see His presence in creation. We see His presence in our very existence if we will see the evidence and properly assess it. See, God wants us to inquire after Him, seek after Him, and find Him. Jesus said, if any man wills to do My will, he shall know the doctrine of whether I speak of My own authority or the Father who sent Me. If we want to do the will of God, we can know that what Jesus said is from God, that He is from God and His authority is from the Father. And that what He says is the very Word of God. If we want to follow God, if we want to do the will of God, do you want to do the will of God? If so, seek Him. Seek Him while He may be found. He's made Himself available in His Son in the, in the sure mercies of David as Isaiah talked about in that uh, prophecy of Isaiah 55. Applied, by the way, in the book of Acts to the Christ, to Jesus. We've got to want to do the will of God. That's where He's going to be found is in a, by those who have a desire to do His will. But then with that desire to actually commit ourselves to doing that will. In John the fourth chapter, eighth uh, chapter, forty three and forty four, Jesus and talking to to some who said you need to abide in my word to be my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, Isaiah's offer uh, through the Messiah is to come and drink freely, have abundant refreshment of your soul, life, and salvation. But he says to these who had believed on him, "Why don't you understand my speech?" Because you're not able to listen to my word. You're of your father the devil, and his desires you want to do. The desires of your father you want to do. We can't listen to the words of Jesus. We're not going to seek him if we're listening to the devil. If we're listening to the, all the other voices around us that say, seek something else, value something else, live for something else, rather than for God 
who's available for you to seek after and find. Now, go back to Isaiah 55. He says, God will have mercy if we'll seek Him. And if we will forsake our wicked way and our unrighteous thoughts. He says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and He will have mercy on him. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon God calls us to seek Him. He's doing that so that He can show us mercy. The idea of God being a merciful God is not that I can live in sin, die in sin, and God's going to be merciful and let me go to heaven anyway. That's not the mercy of God. The mercy of God is combined with truth. Psalm 85 and verse 10, mercy and truth come together. Here is the call. Now we who call upon God, who seek Him, must forsake sin. Forsake the sinful way. And when we'll do that, when we'll return to the Lord that way, that's repentance in the New Testament. See, the New Testament is about changing our heart and changing our life. Forsaking sin. Conversion. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Acts 3 and verse 19. And so prophetically, He's preparing the people and now what is available in Jesus Christ is God's mercy when we will in fact forsake the way of sin, turn our hearts back to God in that repentant conversion that obeys His Gospel. We So, He can be found. And we need to be searching for Him. We need to be calling upon Him while He's near. You see, the point that Jesus elaborated some is you need to seek God for the right reasons. For the holy reasons. For holy reasons. Verse, uh, as verse 6 calls us to do that by forsaking sin, that's the implication. Call, call upon God, seek Him for holy reasons, not unholy ones. Jesus elaborated when some people started following Him because they ate the fish when He fed the 5,000. And they were they were following him for another meal, and they said, "Well, and and they were seeking Jesus. I mean, they they walked around the Sea of Galilee searching for him, seeking for him, and they found him." Uh, in John six and and uh, uh, verses twenty three and twenty four and twenty five, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, "Rabbi, when did you come here? We've been looking for you." And Jesus said, "You." Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek Me. Remember, Isaiah said, seek the Lord. But Jesus said, you seek Me not because you saw signs that demonstrated I'm the Son of God, not because of faith in who I am and what and the blessing that I provide to you that goes beyond the flesh to the spiritual. No, you seek Me because your stomach was filled. He said, you seek Me because you ate the loaves and were filled. He says, don't labor for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to everlasting life. God says, if you're going to seek Me, you've got to seek Me for the right reason. You don't become a Christian, you don't become a disciple of Jesus to advance yourself in some personal way in the community or among certain people. You don't become a Christian to advance yourself materially or, or in some, some, uh, some sort of, of, of self-promoting way. You don't, you don't follow Jesus 
uh, to, to, uh, because you're really following somebody else. You don't, you, don't, you don't go to worship services and become a Christian because you like a boy or you like a girl. Or you like a man or you like a woman. Or you, like, or you, you have family. And so you become a Christian because they're family. That's not why you become a Christian. That's not why you follow Jesus. That's not why you seek after God. You seek after God because of sin and of salvation. Ananias and Sapphira teach us that lesson. They were seeking after God, but they had covetous hearts. And undoubtedly, part of their covetousness went to the idea of some recognition that perhaps they would have for, for saying they gave everything they had, but in fact they lied about it. They kept some back. They had covetous hearts. Now, they both died because of that. That's God's judgment against such covetous self-promotion, trying to follow Jesus, trying to seek the Lord. But the passage interestingly goes on to say that that in Acts Acts five and verse eleven that great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. So a result was growing reverence for God as a result of God's judgment upon the sin of covetousness, as God knew their hearts and God judged them in the matter. But at the same time, verse 13 said, none of the rest dare join them, but the people esteemed them highly. I can only conclude that none of the rest who joined the brethren there were none of the rest like Ananias and Sapphira. Because you see, God made it clear that His hand could reach down and bring a judgment upon those who had unholy hearts. Now, lest we think that He can't do that today, He's going to absolutely do that in the last day when the secrets of men will be judged according to my Gospel, Romans 2 and verse 16. When those things that are secret will be laid bare. 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. Don't seek God because of someone else. Don't seek God because you think it's going to promote you and someone get something you want out of it, except that you want to be saved. Except that you want relief from the burden and sorrow of sin. Come unto Me, Jesus said, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You will find what you're looking for when you're looking for the rest from sin and the rest from its torment of your soul. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Be sure you're seeking Him for the right reason. Let's go on a little farther in our text. He says in verses 8 and 9 of Isaiah 55, Seek the Lord by accepting His thoughts and His ways. If we're going to seek the Lord and find Him, then we have to receive His thoughts and His ways. Now, Jesus makes it very clear that God, of course God does here, and through the Messiah does the same. God's thoughts are infinitely higher. His ways are infinitely higher than ours. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth. 
I simply don't know how high the heavens are. Let's see. I guess they've measured some stars over 4 billion light years away, right? Maybe more now. I don't know. Heavens keep going and going because God's infinite. You know, I, I really, we, if we really stop and ponder, we get a picture of the, of the infinite nature of God, the infinite power of God by looking at the heavens. They show His, His handiwork. They show His supremacy. They show that He is almighty. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we yield to His thoughts and His ways? Look, he, God says, my thoughts and ways are intended to bring mercy and pardon. It's not that God is saying, my, my ways are higher than yours, so, so you, just, you just, uh, just accept it. No, He's saying, acknowledge that I'm higher and understand that I'm the one who can bless you. That I'm the one who is bringing to you all of these good blessings that will reach into infinity, into eternity. Look at Jeremiah 29 as just an illustration of, of this that God wrote in a letter from Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote and delivered it to the captives in Babylon. And they're going to be there 70 years, this letter is going to inform them. But, but as they're there 70 years in captivity, and he tells them how to conduct themselves while there, he said in verse 11, I know the thoughts that I, have, I think toward you. So God's going to tell them His thoughts, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. God doesn't want to see the death of the wicked. He, has, he had then, while He executed the judgment and the punishment for the sin, His thoughts for His people were that of peace and hope. Then you will, watch it, then you will call upon Me and go and pray to Me and I will listen to you. And you will seek Me and find Me when you search for Me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. As He gave that assurance to the captives, He gives an even greater assurance to us that He will bring us back from the land of sin's captivity if we will seek Him. Because He desires our peace to give us hope not to, to die in the foreign land of sin's bondage, but to free us in His Son. Now, can't we open our eyes and see that? Can't we understand and recognize that it's so much more about life? It's so much about more than here and now. It's about eternity. Because God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And He explains His ways and thoughts to us so that we can be brought to faith and understand and the choice to forsake our ways that are evil and unrighteous thoughts with our whole heart to seek Him and call upon Him. Look, just, you know, to do that, we have to, we have to humble ourselves. Don't we? We have to humble ourselves to what God says. First Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and really beginning in verse three, but continuing on to chapter four, Paul, Paul said that. Uh, well, let's read First Corinthians three and uh, verse eighteen. 
Corinthians 3 and beginning in the 18th verse, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, as oh, he has the thoughts, he knows the way, let him become a fool that he may become wise. That is, foolish concerning the things of the world and submissive to the wisdom of God. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it's written, He he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They're futile. The, The wisest of the wise among men are futile before God because the wisest of the wise among men cannot lead us to the salvation of a single soul. It will take the wisdom of God and the power of God and the Gospel of God. That's what Paul's already introduced and explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The word of the cross, the message of the cross is to those who perish foolish, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. It's the wisdom of God at work. If we're going to call after, seek after God by accepting His thoughts and ways, then... We've got to acknowledge he's, He has the way and we've got to follow it. 1 Corinthians 4 and 6 then, Paul went on to say, These things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sake, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. Or to go beyond what is written, some versions say. Some write not to think of men beyond what is written. The old King James says, Don't think of men beyond what's written. Don't go beyond what is written. Submit to it because it contains the thoughts and the ways of God. It's it's His inspired Word. And who am I to say I'm wise when God says what true wisdom is? For example, God's way, God's thoughts, man's ways, man's thoughts. How do you save from sin? God's told us His ways and His thoughts. He's explained His plan of salvation in Christ. By grace, through faith. As God has in grace provided our redemption through the sacrifice of His Son, He calls us to believe and to repent of our sin. Set our faith that Jesus is the Christ. Repent. Confess that faith and be baptized into Christ for the washing away of our sins by His blood. Acts 22.16, Romans 6.3 and 4, and many other verses. His plan of salvation is in His Word. But man says... Oh no. If you'll just believe, you'll be saved and go to heaven. You'll have mercy. Just believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Well, I believe that. Is that all I need to do? Believers were told to repent. Oh yeah, well you should repent. But believers were told to confess and to be baptized. Who am I to say any of that? what God has commanded is not important? False doctrines. This reading yesterday, a brother in Christ back on the East Coast, preacher of the gospel there, is involved in possible debate with a with a, a Church of God individual back there that says that baptism is necessary for salvation, but you also you've got to receive the Holy Spirit in a miraculous measure. Well, that, that person's going to have two baptisms. Uh, Ephesians four or five says there's one, and on and on. There's so many different. False doctrines about how to be saved according to man's ways, man's thinking. But we've got to go to the Scripture and let it explain it to us. And God does, you see. And we've got to submit ourselves to it. We can talk about the church of our Lord Jesus Christ versus the denominations of men that have introduced all sorts of doctrines and practices 
from worship corruptions to the work of the local church to the importance and value of the church. God's way or man's way? If we're going to call upon the Lord, we have to accept His thoughts, His ways revealed to us in His Word. Wisdom of man says, or I'm sorry, God says marriage is for life. That's the rule. Now, He gives us an exception, but the rule is marriage is for life. But man comes along and says, well, there's other reasons you can put away that really divorce for any cause. Ultimately, it'll be okay. Remarriage will be available to you. Corrupting God's plan. Corrupting God's Word. My thoughts, my ways, or God's thoughts, God's ways. We've got to go to what is written, what is revealed, and let that be what we submit ourselves to. Let us say, that's the wisdom. I There is wisdom in what God has said. His, because His ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than mine. They're beyond my comprehension. He's revealed what I can comprehend. We can comprehend what He's revealed so that we can submit ourselves to His thoughts and ways. We're gonna, if we're going to seek Him, that's what we must do in our lives. The Bible says, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians 10 before we move on from this point. A couple of verses. One is, Paul said, our objective is to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. He said, why are we preaching the Gospel? Why are we involved in this spiritual fight? Uh, uh, with Not with fleshly carnal weapons, but, but with the weapon of, of truth and righteousness. He says, because... Our objective is to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If I'm going to seek God and find Him, I've got to bring my thinking, my ways, under the thinking of God. I've got to, I've got to, they have to become captured by God. I've got to, I've got to just put them, put them under God. And make his ways and thoughts my ways and thoughts. With my whole heart, seek the Lord. Remember Jeremiah twenty nine and twelve says, "Seek or thirteen, seek me with my with your whole heart." That's what we're going to do. How do I do that? How do I accomplish that? There's one thing to say, "Well, sure, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm, my thoughts are captured by by the will of God." Okay, how? James four. James four. 7 through 10 is one verse that teaches us, and of course, there are many others, but look at the verbs in this passage. You want to know how to do it? Here's how we do it. Therefore, submit to God. Some of us just have trouble with submission. We just don't want to submit to God. Oh, it's fine when it agrees with us, but, but that's not the point. He says, submit to God. Why? Because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, here's why we do this. Submit to God. He's the source of grace. You need grace? You need His favor to be saved? Then, first of all, here's the verb. Submit to God. Then he says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. We have a hard time resisting, but he says you resist the devil. That's a verb. Do it. Don't yield to temptation. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Here's the thought. 
Draw near to God. Seek Him in the time when He will be found. Cleanse your hands. There's a, there's a verb. Stop practicing sin. Purify your hearts. You double-minded. Have a singular faith that is purified. A heart that is pure. Lament and mourn and weep. Again, verbs. Godly sorrow over sin in our lives. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He'll lift you up. Another verb. Humble yourself to be lifted up. Now, I have a lot of things to do in that verse for every one of us. And our life as Christians is to be about doing all of those things. Seeking the Lord while He may be found. Calling upon Him while He's near. Bringing every thought and therefore our conduct into conformity to His Word. And that's the third point of the lesson is you need to seek God through His Word. God said, My Word will not return without accomplishing My purpose. The rain that falls accomplishes its purpose. It nourishes the, 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 the seed, it, it, the, the land and the seed so that there's fruit born. God sends the fruitful seasons. Acts 14. He sends the rain so we have food to eat. Just like He sends the rain, He sends His Word. My Word goes out from my mouth. This Word didn't just come off of these men's pens. These words came from God's mouth. From His mind. And they accomplished His purposes. That's why Jesus said, if you abide in My Word, you're truly My disciples. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. He said, he that rejects Me and doesn't receive My Word has one that judges Him. My Word is going to judge in the last day. But He said, My Word also has eternal life. The words that the Father gave are life. They'll give you freedom from sin. They'll sanctify us by the truth. John 17, 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. If we're going to seek God, we seek Him, we find Him in His Word. It is that love of truth that's going to lead us to salvation. I want you to go to 2 Thessalonians 2, please, and see with me this contrast. We either love truth or we need to begin loving truth. We need to all love truth. He describes here the coming of the lawless one. and He has a broader context here, but I want you to note the problem that some would have in yielding to the lawless one, the man of sin, the, this, this son of perdition, rather than following the Lord Jesus Christ. He said the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Satan's at work. And God's at work. Satan's at work though with all power and signs and lying wonders. He's a deceiver. Now watch, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now he says Satan's at work and there's unrighteous deception out there but people perish because they didn't receive a love of the truth, first of all. It's when we don't have a love of the truth that we expose ourselves to the deception of sin and error. Love of truth. He says, for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. And they may all, that they all may be condemned who do not believe the truth 
but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, those who do not accept the love of the truth, he says, have pleasure in unrighteousness. Verse 12. They didn't receive the love of the truth, but they did receive the pleasure of unrighteousness. So what are you receiving in your life? Are you receiving the love of the truth or are you receiving pleasure from sin? Because if we receive pleasure from sin and accept that rather than the love of the truth, we're going to be deceived and we're going to perish. That's what he says. They perish because they didn't love the truth, didn't have the, have, receive this love of the truth. And so condemnation and perishing comes. So there's a question then, isn't it? Do I really love the truth? Do I love, do I really love truth? In John 6, 6-66, there were some who didn't really love truth. Because when Jesus spoke truth, they complained about it. When Jesus told them, I'm the bread of life that comes from heaven, eat my flesh, drink my blood, have eternal life, they complained. This is a hard saying, who can hear it? Who can accept it? And so people complain about how to be saved. People complain about the Lord's church. People complain about marriage. People complain about morality. People complain about what God's ways and thoughts are that He's revealed in His Word. And yet, we want to go to heaven. It was like, that won't happen. We'll be deceived and we'll lose our soul. We'll perish and be condemned because we have pleasure in unrighteousness rather than love the truth. Jesus said, The words that I, that I speak are spirit in our life. Verse 63. See, there are some of you who don't believe. You see, it's, it's unbelief. It's not faith to complain against God's Word. So, we come back to Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Come to God and to His Christ. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money. The the water is free. God in His grace offers refreshment of the soul, salvation from sin in His Christ, the sure mercies of David, an everlasting covenant that's going to dispense an eternal inheritance. That's what He offers the whole world so that we, in verses 12 and 13, may have joy and peace. You shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and hills will break forth with singing before you. While there's an element of the return of those from captivity, surely this is looking beyond that Jerusalem to the new Jerusalem, to the people of God, to Mount Zion and the church, and the Messiah's security and safety that He gives us, His people. Everyone who will seek God and find Him. But note, God's mercy is not going to be found in wickedness. We're not going to find His, 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 uh, His, His blessing of mercy and peace by clinging to our own thinking and our own ways. His mercy is going to be found in His Word. Verses 10 and 11. And so I want to close by looking at verse 6. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. The New Testament teaches us how to call on the name of the Lord. Joel would prophesy as well, He that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Peter quoted it in Acts 2 and verse 21. First time he's preaching this Gospel and inviting people to seek the Lord to come and be saved. He said, call on the name of the Lord. When they learned of their sin, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Well, he's already told them to call on the Lord. Verse 6 says, call on Him while He's near. 
and you'll have mercy and pardon. So the apostle said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with many other words, he exhorted them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. You want to seek the Lord? Call on His name. And you do that by repenting and being baptized for the remission of your sins. Being baptized in the name of Christ to be saved from your sin. To then live as a Christian in the joy and peace of fellowship with God and a sure inheritance through Jesus Christ the Lord. If we can help you do that, begin that, come to God now. Seek Him and find Him. And we're standing ready to help you do that. And as God's people, like, like Judah and Israel of old that forsook God, when, when they turned their hearts back to Him, He abundantly forgave them. He says, I have... My, my thoughts for you is of mercy and of joy and of hope. And we encourage you to respond to God's call to receive the same while we stand, while we sing.